Good morning, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. And today I have a super awesome guest, Mr. Dustin LeBlanc. Dustin LeBlanc is the managing director of the West Shore Theater in New Cumberland, PA. In his nearly 20 years working in the Central PA theater industry, he has served as artistic director of Pennsylvania Music uh, and Theatrics, artistic director of the Carlisle Theater Company, and executive producing director of Keystone Theatrics at the Playhouse at Allenberry Resort in Bowling Springs. Dustin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you, Corey? I'm doing great. You have a, a, an illustrious career and a, a, lot of, a lot of story to tell. And I'm excited to get into it. So I, first question first, when did you start getting into or what was it that sparked your interest in music and uh, producing and uh, production? Sure. So I always I grew up in a uh, family where my father was a musician, so classic rock. So music was always a part of things. And then I guess for me, I just kind of went a little bit different direction. In fourth grade, against my will, I was thrust into a school play. Uh, I had never really had interest in theater at that point, but my teacher at that time was like, you're going to be in this play. And I was, and I found that I loved it. I loved everything about, you know, performing and whatnot. So I just kind of kept doing that. I, you know, was a part of school musicals and things like that. But I found I wasn't the typical um, probably school performer who, you know, just there having a lot of fun, very social. I would kind of sit out in the audience and watch the director work, watch all of the pieces come together. I was always fascinated kind of by the production elements the lights, the sound, the sets, everybody working together. So as I, you know, kind of went on in my career, I just kind of found these opportunities to explore those different areas, learn more about uh, those different areas. And I was like, no matter where I go in life, I know I want to make theater a part of it. And Mm. over the past, you know, 20 years or so, I've just been really lucky to have a variety of different opportunities in all areas um, of performance that really have helped me to where I am now. So let's go through that a little bit. You said, uh, as you were younger, you liked the big picture things more than than being involved as much. Uh, so you, you did it in fourth grade. Did you do it? You said you did it throughout high school? Or? Yep. So I really, I got the bug in middle school. I think uh, in seventh grade, our high school was doing Oliver. And I'm, a, I'm from Boiling Springs High School. So go Bubblers. Woohoo. The mightiest mascot around. Bubblers. Bubbler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a, a children's lake there with a natural spring that bubbles. Hence that's the mascot. But yeah. yeah. So Boiling Springs. But I digress. I just always think that's a fun story. I think we were on an MTV list of like the top five worst mascots at some point or something that's like that. Fun. But yeah, <laughs> we were we were like, no, we're cool. But. Anyway, um, so in seventh grade, our high school was doing Oliver, the musical, and um, they invited middle schoolers to audition. So I did. That was my first musical. And really, I just never looked back. I just I loved performing. I loved everything about it um, from top to bottom. So as I went on, I did all the high school shows. I did some community theater productions. And um, then I went I went into education and I love performers, the lifestyle that it takes to be a professional performer and traveling around and picking up. It just I knew it wasn't for me. And I was always going to make theater part of my life, but that wasn't my path. So I went elementary education. I was actually an educator for 15 years. But then on the side, I was doing what I called my other full-time job that didn't pay the bills, um, but that I loved, which is the theater world, which anyone, you know, in the arts understands. Has a plan B, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I just, I got some cool opportunities. I was, you know, in my teacher education program, but I had an opportunity for a good friend I had met in the theater world. She was directing an organization called Pennsylvania Youth Music and Theatrics. She said, hey, would you you know, help me out by being in a show? I said, you know, sure, I've got a little bit of time. I can do that. That's a great connection between the two. Too. Yeah. And it really, well, I mean, education and theater, there are so many parallels. I always said when I was teaching my 
lesson plan was my script and it's, you know, that song and dance and you're entertaining and yeah. all of those things. But uh, so she asked me after that show, she's like, hey, you know, you notice a lot of things. You're picking up a lot of these. Would you ever be interested in being my assistant director? It, honestly, directing was not a path I had considered at that point because I did like performing, but I loved watching everything else. But I thought, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd like to learn a little bit more about this. So I served as her assistant director and then she um, was pregnant at that point. She said, OK, I'm going to have to step away. And, you know, me not knowing anything, the board of directors was like, well, you're the assistant director. So that so, means now you're the director. Yeah. I was like, um, I am grossly underqualified and totally unprepared for this. But sure, I'll give it a go. And it was with a youth uh, group. So, you know, a little bit more forgiving. Um, but I found doing that that I really, I really enjoyed it. And what I didn't know, you know, I built a team around me that did know, um, mm -hmm. I, you know, People who've worked with me, they'll they'll know. You, when you first start out, you feel like you have to do a lot of things yourself, but really the success is the team and the people around you. So, so I ended up doing that for about five years and really enjoyed it. Again, it combined my passion for education and theater together. We were doing a lot of... And for kids, it yeah, like too. Yeah, absolutely. And we worked with um, really all ages there, up to about 25 was where that group was capped. And then I had an opportunity from the Carlisle Theater in downtown Carlisle, beautiful, you know, large art deco movie palace from... 1940s um, and they said hey we had we used to have this community theater program and we'd like to see it kind of be reinvigorated would you be interested in doing that so I went to my team I said hey, you know what we've been doing is been successful with kids you know I think it would probably work with adults and people right. of all ages so why don't we go and give it a try it's got a really rich history I love and you know growing up in Boiling Springs Carlisle's just the next town over so yeah. It was a really cool space and they were trying to do lots of things. And I was really fortunate to go in there. Uh, we formed the Carlisle Theater Company, which was the all age branch. Uh, and we started out doing two shows. I actually, the first show we did there was Oliver, which was a link back to the first show I ever did, which was kind of a cool first, um, you know, full circle moment for me that my first full community theater show directing was the first show that I was in. Uh, and we started out doing two shows a year. And by the end, we were doing kind of four main stage shows a year, plus some children's shows and things like that. And I learned a lot there along the way because I also served on the board of directors mm. um, and I served kind of on the programming committee and the Carlisle Theater was doing a mix of live music, movies, you know, various different performances. So that's where I, at the time when I was doing it, I was like, I don't know why I'm ever going to need to know any of these things about movie booking and about, you know, music and all of these kinds of things. Again, we'll jump forward a little bit later on, yes. but all of those things ended up being really important on the journey. Um, that I took. So I was in Carlisle for about eight years, did a lot of really cool things, grew, you know, a great company, um, a great audience base, and just loved it. The The thing that I've always been attracted to in the theater things that I do is community mm. and places that have such community support and just great things around. And downtown Carlisle is just awesome. I love it. I still go back regularly. Lots of great restaurants, lots of really supportive businesses and people who want to see the entire downtown be successful. So really great. <clears throat> Can't say enough great things about Carlisle. Was there for about eight years. And then Allenberry Resort, which again was 1940s. I, I'm attracted to these old places with <laughs> really cool, rich history and just really cool spaces. And they had actually been closed at that point. They had new ownership. The Playhouse had stood there for years. My first job was at Allenberry. I was a server in the restaurant there. So a lot of history with Allenberry. So when they decided they were going to reopen their Playhouse, um, they had reached out to various people and I met with them and I said, you know, this is really cool. Like Boiling Springs is my hometown mm -hmm. and the opportunity to kind of 
you know, bring in the next chapter of what the Allenberry Playhouse was going to be was just really cool. So I called my whole team and said, hey, I, I want to do this. I hope you'll all come with me. <laughs> Never going to force anyone to come with me. But they were like, no, yeah, no, absolutely. We we have to do that. And so many people had so many ties there. So and Allenberry, just such a rich history. I mean, it's where John Travolta got his equity card. Yeah, that's they, they what? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, John Travolta. He's like the shining star of Allenberry Playhouse. I think he only did two shows there, but that's where he got his official equity card was there at Allenberry in Summerstock. Yes, these are cool tidbit for the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just it's such a gorgeous property. And I know we were chatting before we went on how you were just there to see it. But the renovations are gorgeous. Like there's beautiful theaters everywhere. But the just the whole setting of it all. You're right there on the yellow breaches. Beautiful old historic buildings. The new owners did just an incredible job of renovating it. So we're just so fortunate to be out there doing the plays and musicals. We're entering, uh, it'll be our seventh season hmm. coming up there now. And we do about six shows a year, six musicals, and then sprinkle in a uh, family series as well. So it's kind of just been that evolution, that evolution. Again, during all of this, I was still full-time teaching for 15 years. And then a couple summers ago, a really cool opportunity came up at the West Shore Theater in New Cumberland and, you know, prepare to be shocked. It was a 1940s movie theater uh, that, again, underwent. It, it, it closed down. You're sensing a pattern of mm -hmm. the theaters. I didn't I didn't start out intending to, uh, you know, go to these old theaters and help revive them. It just yeah. I guess that's what I've become known for a little bit. But I again, I love it. So I had the opportunity. It had been just a movie theater. Um, for many, many years, and it had closed down, unfortunately, and a group of citizens kind of banded together, formed a nonprofit to raise enough mm. money to renovate and reopen it. Uh, when they were looking for a managing director, I can't tell you how many people reached out to me when they posted their job description, and they're like, you should look at this, because this is like a checklist of what you've been doing for the past, you know, 15 to 20 years. And I was like, oh, well, you know, what, it's this little movie theater in New Cumberland, what are you talking about? And as I went through it and I met the folks, what they wanted to do was really in line with what I enjoy doing. They they realized that a one screen movie theater couldn't on its own financially Surprise, sustain yeah. with just what movies have become and streaming and everything. And they really wanted to make it a multi-use venue that did movies, but did lots of live music and performing arts and comedy and educational opportunities and everything that I, you know, hold near and dear and have a lot of experiences with. And so I, I was hired. Fortunately, I've been uh, working there now. We've been reopened for about 11 months. My first day on that job was the first day of renovation. So I got to see it. Everywhere. <clears throat> everything yeah. from just concrete and on the floor and brick on the walls brick to the mortar. beautiful yeah. facility so that cool. it is now. And it's been the community there. Again, community, I've, I've harped on that and will continue to because I think that's so important. And they've just been so supportive and have, you know, showed up and been so positive and encouraging about everything we do and we're doing such a wide variety of programming and helping to get the word out you know it's not just a movie theater anymore we do a ton of music um, we have comedy that comes in you know we have a lot of different regular things and basically we've tried just about everything there is to do so far to you know back up what we what we stand for what our mission and vision is to provide that wide variety and diversity of programming that's so cool. It sounds like, a, I don't know if you've ever been to Zotropolis around here. Absolutely. It sounds yep. exactly kind of like that. Uh, old old cinema revitalized to do, yes, movies, but also uh, many other things. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'd say we still show movies about 50% of the time, but, um, you know, we're doing a lot of other things. And people have really responded to that. I think everybody seems really ready to come back out and be a part of that live scene. There's nothing like catching live music, live shows, being a part of that energy 
and in the audience and especially being after shut in for two or three years. absolutely yeah and if you've if you've never heard of the west shore theater i really encourage you to look it up and like there's a really cool video on our website that walks you through the renovations because to That's me cool. it's what the future of theaters is and should be in terms of the innovations of seating like we don't just have traditional movie theater standard seating the it middle is yeah the middle is your standard seating but then along the sides there's on both sides seven l-shaped booths so we've got a total of 14 booths that sit four to six people and it's just a really cool atmosphere like you're coming to a concert and you want to hang yeah. out with friends or right now we're showing the super mario brothers movie so families come in and kids in there um, we also have a high top section in the back with five high top tables that's right you know it's closest to concessions and bar closest to bathrooms turns into a little dance floor during concerts so and you guys are also doing things uh for i, I just recently saw that you were mentioning the super mario brothers but you have like auditory sensitive people uh accommodations as well absolutely yeah we're doing a sensory friendly showing of that working with um bti out of harrisburg behavior theater uh, excuse me behavior therapy institute um to make a lot of different you know just the different accommodations movies especially for this one we're like everybody loves mario uh, yeah it's, all it's, ages it's all generations <laughs> everybody's gonna love and chris pratt's in it is gonna be great yeah. yeah and everybody deserves to see that and have the movie theater experience and yeah. it's not it's no cost to anyone. I don't know. I mean, this is not just a one-off for us. This is the start of something that we want to continue to grow and develop. And I've started to see them, you know, sprinkle in more here and there, which I think is great because, yes, streaming has changed the game, but there is just nothing, nothing like, like being in a theater, you know, when the movie ends and people applaud and they're laughing and they're sharing that experience. It's still really cool and really great. So to have everybody have the opportunity to come in and experience it in a way that's comfortable. And we've had just so many people reach out being so appreciative of it. Even if they can't come to this one, they're like, it's so great that you're doing this. You know, my, my kid is so excited about doing this. And again, it, it doesn't cost theaters anything to do. We just, we'll, just make, make it aware, make absolutely. it known that it's going to be a sense of, and you know, you know, the market will figure it out itself. Right. Yeah. So why not? Do and, it? and people are like, Oh, do you think anyone will come? I said, honestly, if a dozen people show up that, that's couldn't go see the movie anywhere else none of like that's, that's a success ex absolutely absolutely yeah. at the, and it, at the end it doesn't matter about money it just matters that you gave somebody an experience that they will forever cherish yeah and again coming from an education background this one i mean that's, that's what i, I love everything about. we do but to me that's exactly what it's all about like giving everybody that opportunity to just enjoy something and be a part of it and say i went tomorrow i watched it on the big screen it was great and so <clears throat> There's a lot to unpack in the story. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm curious. You over. You've done. You've also done uh, education as as your your main, I guess, income mm -hmm. or main job. How has that influenced your impact for your theater job, or vice versa? Have you seen your education uh, flow into your theater, or have you seen more of your theater flow into your education? It definitely went both ways, but I think my education background, it just, it helps me see things from a lot of different perspectives. I also, I, I got my master's in uh, school administration. So I had my principal certification too. Mm. And I thought that was, it wasn't something I ever wanted to use. I wasn't ever intending to be a principal, but those leadership skills and the training I thought would just help me carry through everything. And it, and it really did. It helps you as a perspective when you're, as a teacher, you're really, you know, sometimes you're just so narrowly focused on what you have to do in your classroom and whatnot because you have to that it's hard to see all the other angles and kind of the big picture when there's decisions you maybe don't agree with or don't see all sides of because you just don't have all of that information um so 
I feel like going through that administration training really carries over to me in my leadership style in the different organizations and how I approach the people that I work with and look at them as stakeholders and say, there's going to be sometimes I make decisions that people don't agree with, but I hope that I've gained their trust enough to know that it's coming from a place that I feel like it's the best decision that needs to be made, but also being transparent and you know sharing as much of that as you possibly can, letting all stakeholders be a part of that. And I'm very, you know, I, I like to have fun. I like to have a good time, but I also have a very high standard and expectation. And I think people know that. And if you set those expectations coming in and people know them, they're going to work harder to kind of achieve them and get there. On the other end, you know, when you're teaching, I'm like, okay, all of these things that you do in theater just carry over. You know, if, if, I'm, time. Yep, yep. if I'm doing my job, you know, I have far less behavior issues if I'm entertaining up there than uh, if I'm boring. So, <laughs> Um, but I again, there's there's so many parallels. I think educators can really do anything. I will sing the praises of everyone in education to anyone who will listen because they work so hard and are so underappreciated sometimes. Yeah. And same thing in the theater. Like if if teachers do their job really well, you're not noticing as much because things are going smoothly. In the theater world, if you're doing your job well, people are just coming and enjoying. They're not looking at all that goes into it and the hours of preparation and planning in rehearsal, out of rehearsal, writing lesson plans, you know, the parallels, they're just, they're just everywhere. So if you do it, if you do it right, the audience won't know how long you took to make it right. Absolutely. If, if you do something wrong, everyone's going to know. Yeah. They come to watch a show and they don't realize that people have been working on this for a year, a year and a half from, you know, from picking shows to, yep. yep. But that's good. You know, we don't want that. We want them to sit and come in for those two, two and a half hours Forget all the worries in the world and just escape. be transported and entertained by what's going on on stage. That's true for music. That's true for the arts. That's true, true for, for sports, everything. For Absolutely. Everything. Yep. Absolutely. It's so important to have that avenue of escape from from life because it, no matter you know what aspect you're thinking of, reality is harsh. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's very important to have the arts and culture and sports to get away from everything, kids, whatever it may be. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell me what. You you've gone through this process a million times of setting a season, uh, picking out shows. What what is that like to go through and say, okay, this is the season we're gonna have. These are the shows we're gonna do. Is there an overarching theme that you like to create your seasons off of, or is it how does that there's, work? There's there's several schools of thought here, and I'm not knocking any of them, but I because a lot of places will go like, here's the theme of our year. Call me simple if you will, but I think the process can get very overcomplicated, mm -hmm. and it's two things. It's shows that people want to see and shows that performers want to do and be in. And if you can find those combinations of things that you're attracting the very, very talented, because I know you know, like we have such an incredibly artistically talented area here in central Pennsylvania. Absolutely. It is an embarrassment of riches. Like it's crazy it's in the best way. Yeah. So to get those performers to say, oh, this is a lineup of shows I want to do and to get audience to say, oh, these are shows that I, I want, want to, to see. To. Yeah. To me, that's simple. If they fit into, you know, I, I'd rather pick shows that I think if you look at the whole season fit that than try to squeeze them or, you know, try fit to, them into a yeah. quote theme. But there's nothing wrong with those that don't. I know a lot of theaters that do theme their shows that way. And I think it's great. It's probably better for marketing for them because they can tie that all together. Um, but it's that's the hardest and most important thing I think to do is putting that season together because in, you know, if I'm booking concerts or whatnot, I'm just booking them as they come. But if right. I'm booking a season like that, I'm booking a year and a half, two years out and hoping that the market doesn't shift enough or that nothing drastic happens. I'm hoping that you get the with license those shows. Right, right, right. 
So I, I know I put a lot of time and energy into doing that because there are so many variables. And I love having those kind of conversations about that, but it's one of those, you better be willing to really <laughs> dive in because there's so many things that people you know don't know and consider with shows and like, oh, you should do this show, this show, this show. Well, that's not available for this reason, or I can't do that as an amateur theater because this professional theater has it on their schedule, which means mm. it's blocked for you know restrictions or this or that, or hey, I know a couple people in the theater who've done this show and it didn't draw the numbers. So just a lot of those things to kind of think about, consider and think about. But to me, and and I think one of my strengths and the strengths of my team have been choosing seasons and season planning. And for me, it's really funny. Like you'll go through, for me, the process starts with, I make a huge list of every show that I think could fit in every time slot. And then you narrow from there and you get it and you're not happy. But something that's now, you know, the past five, 10 years really for me, when it's the right lineup, it clicks and you just, you know, you just know it. And we're actually getting ready to the beginning of next week, release our next season, our 2023, 24 season for Keystone theatrics at Allenberry. And it was one of those, I had five of the six shows and I just couldn't get my finger on the sixth one. But then when you figure it out and it clicks, you're just like, all right, we're not touching it anymore. It's, it's frozen. <laughs> Make the artwork. Let's go. Um, and then at that point, you just shift from the stress of it to, okay, now I'm just excited. Like you're excited to get it out, excited to uh, have people react to it. And I think season planning has shifted a little bit, especially over the past decade with as many theaters as there are in this area and options. I don't expect everybody to come to every single show that we do. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many different, you know, er great, great things happening in the area. So I try to put together a season where if you can look at our season and see one or two shows that you want to come to, that's a win. That's a win. And then I'm diversifying my audience. I'm building it. It's much more sustainable that way. Now there are people who are like, I'm going to come to everything you do. That's, that's great. great. We love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if someone can see, you know, one, two, three shows that they want to come a season, that's great. And that's kind of how I approach it with West Shore Theater, too, is how do you mix that programming up? What is that model that someone can look at my month and say, oh, yeah, that's a movie I'm really interested in. Or, oh, that that's a concert I really want to go to. Or, oh, I love comedy. I'm going to come see, you know, these guys the second Sunday of every month. So I think it's finding that mix. And there are people out there who say, well, yeah, you know, if you try to do everything, you're not going to appeal to anyone. But I think that's shifted and people really seem to enjoy, you know, a variety of options give them options and say we might not be the right one for you but if you're really into this then we are for that weekend it's all about fitting into different niches nowadays uh, you had you had the heyday of okay this theater is known for this one specific thing sight and sound does christian musicals all throughout the year that's and that's it's still very much a valid uh business plan absolutely but and their productions are incredible they're absolutely incredible <laughs> they they validate themselves for having that mm -hmm. But for something like a, mu a movie theater where you can just go get it on Disney Plus, you can get it on Netflix. It, it's it's going to be there on HBO Max next week. Yep. And, and you're and you're already paying for that service. Why go out and pay an extra thirty bucks to a movie theater and see something you can just see at your at the comfort of your own home? And granted, unless it's something like like a like a gigantic cultural thing like Star Wars, mm -hmm. where you have to go see it in the movie sure. theater because <laughs> it's Star Wars. Yeah. Um, it makes it makes. Unless you're putting on like old timey or you're doing you you're creating a specific identity for yourself, you have to start diversifying or else you're 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 gonna fail. Absolutely. And I, I say that all the time. I said, you know, we reopened the doors in May, but if we had just reopened the West Shore Theater as a movie theater, we probably would have had them closed again by September. And that's not a knock on 
anyone involved with no, the project. It's, it's just the way the that way it is. movies are. And we have kind of the luxury of we can show first run brand new movies. We can do second run movies. We've done a lot of the nostalgia movies, which actually mm -hmm. have done really well for us because I find that, yes, while all ages will still come to movies, the people who really resonate with them are the people who grew up with the movies that that used to be. Spoiler alert, that used to be the only way you could see movies yes. when they came out. Streaming wasn't an option like it is now. So they have that memory and then bringing, you know, their kids or their grandkids yeah. and sharing that experience. It's just, it's been really cool to watch. And I think when we work in the entertainment industry, we're so lucky and we're so privileged because when they walk through the door, for the most part, they're already generally happy yes. and excited. It's not like the it's, DMV or, uh, you know, retail where impress people here yeah. in the music industry. As long as we don't screw up, they're also going to leave happy. Yes. So it's, it's been really great. And, um, just, I, I feel like that energy when people walk through the room that they're excited about being there, excited for what they're coming to see and having a great experience. And having something like that gives you so much more room to do stuff with movies. For example, I know as Otropolis, they have a, a philosophy professor come in and they, they go and they dive deep into the philosophy of like psycho or uh vertigo or so, stuff like absolutely. that absolutely and they go into the filming technique about it they, they make it into like mini lectures about it you can do and people will eat that stuff up if you give them the opportunity to do that and they're gonna enjoy seeing those iconic movies uh, and in ways that uh you can only experience at a theater and you just get some history get some get some uh um Great insight into the movie, how it was made, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People, are, uh, you can do a lot of really cool stuff. Plus, you like you said, you can extend it out into different styles, into into music concerts. Uh, so, how do you how do you balance that as a theater? That's and that's a great question. And it's still we've we've been reopened for eleven months. And I know when I first took the job, I told the board like it's going to take me you know twelve to fifteen months minimum to figure it out to kind of know what the balance is. You know, we got to try a lot of different things, and we can't just try it once. We've got to have an experiment. Of a, Absolutely. You know, do a couple first run movies, do a couple second run, have lots of concerts so we can see, but starting to obviously see those trends. But I just look at it as if there's, you know, a major movie coming out that I know I want, we circle that on the calendar, we block out those two to three weeks because that's what you got to do for movies, which I don't, there's, we could have a whole nother hour long conversation just about the ins and outs of movies because I've had to learn so much about it. But for a one screen theater, you know, it's really hard. If I'm going to do a first run movie, a brand new movie, I have to be pretty sure it's going to be successful because I'm locked into it for two to three weeks. Which is that means, by contract? Or yeah. Is, oh, so really? like, it's like for the Super Mario Brothers movie, I for these two weeks, I have to show that movie. I can't do any other movies. I wow. can't do things like that. And if my box office numbers are good, they can make me hold it over for a third week. So they can make you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. They can make you buy you know, basically saying, oh, you know, if you're going to pull it, that's fine. But then don't call me to book another movie for. So there's just there's, you know, wow. politics everywhere, politics everywhere. But um, it's just one of those things to consider, because if I'm going to take half of my month or three quarters of my month on one movie and then it doesn't hit its numbers. That's, that's a struggle a for me. So roughly, you know, if you look at a given month for us, we're probably going to have about 50 percent of the time showing movies a weekend or two. And then some other things mixed in. Some are heavier. You know, March with spring being back here, we went pretty music heavy and did a lot of music because people were, you know, I'd say spring fever, but I'm not sure we really had people much of a winter. Outside, it was just yeah. kind of the same really weather was. for uh, most of it. But but we did a lot of music the end of uh, March. We know we have movies going on a lot here in April, but then, you know, great music weekend at the end. So it's just kind of a balance. And when, you know, acts come out or when I'm booking acts, it's we look at their availability. If I find, OK, I booked a concert on this weekend, not going to show a movie then. Maybe mm -hmm. I can do 
you know, some other things, you know, going on and mix it in. But every month is different. And to me, that's, it's the stressful part, but it's also the fun part. Cause when you get that whole month booked, it's solid. And it's, it's been a learning curve for me because like I said, in the theater world, I'm booking way out. Right. I know a year and a half advance, but at the West Shore theater where it's that mix, I don't always know what movies I can or can't get until closer to the time. So it's, you know, it makes it hard to market and advertise as much, but I think you just have to help your audience base know, okay, at Allen, at, yeah, at Allenberry, you're going to know the show's a long time here. Just make sure you're watching more often, you know, because yeah. it's going to be springing up or different events pop up or, you know, opportunities come up and we're like, great, let's slide that in there. So, so, and at West Shore, you can have food and drink in the, in the, in the theater too. Right? Yep. And we, we sell a variety of that. We also have a liquor license. Um, so it's, oh, nice. you know, a nice perk for people who enjoy adult beverages at things too. You know, they come and they're like, I can watch Mario and have a beer. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you absolutely can. If you are of age, of course. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, it's, you know, you're, you're basic, you're not going to get a meal there we're not a you know kitchen serving that but we've got your your usual fare your you know popcorn nachos pretzel bites candy mm -hmm. um and all of those kind of things but we've got some really cool new cumberland is really going through a revitalization right now and we just had um, a new restaurant open right across the street from us called wild rabbit which if you know evergreen brewing it all down that way it's their new restaurant you know nick's 114 cafe has been there forever um there's a distillery an ice cream shop i mean there's some really cool things going on there so i always tell people when they call because that's one of the number you know one or two questions is oh what what kind of food can you get and i said we're not a restaurant if you want a meal i encourage you to visit one of these really awesome spots and then of course come get your popcorn and all your snacks when you're watching your movie but it's again that's a way to we really want to support community and support the businesses around so then question then can you bring your outside food and drink it you cannot no oh. yeah because we have our own retail food license and liquor license gotcha. you cannot that's probably the number one question um that we get but yeah with yeah. a with our own liquor license you can't bring anything in so yeah. so uh the question from one of the one of the people watching uh sir dominic joining when is the next show for the i'm, I'm assuming the super mario when is that showing so, yeah, so we started that on uh, Wednesday. So that shows for two solid weeks. And I actually love that Sir Dominique is watching because he's coming up for us at the end of the month. Yeah, um, yeah we're actually ending. Our, our whole last weekend of April is a really cool music weekend, which started as, you know, we booked one act and then we're like, well, let's just get some more. So it's got like a totally eclectic mix at the end of April. Um, that last Thursday of the month, Eric Koala of the Uptown Band, he's bringing in, you know, a show of his that's kind of Sinatra, Bennett, Darren. Um, yeah. And then the next day we've got Colbrook Road, which obviously is awesome. Bluegrass mm -hmm. that Saturday night, the Maxwell Project, who was just inducted into the Central Pennsylvania Music Hall of Fame. So they're doing a concert Saturday. And then Sir Dominique is ending the month with us. We're doing an open poetry, an open mic for poetry earlier in the day. And then he's performing that night to kind of end poetry month. So even that is kind of a sample of the different kinds of things and genres that we're trying to do. Very nice. So I got to know, what is it like to switch brains uh, from a movie theater that does everything into a, show, a playhouse? What is it like to do that? Yeah, it's, a, you know, sometimes I just got to, I'm like, okay, what, what hat am I wearing today? Um, but I'm, they say, you know, they'll never take the teacher out of me. They'll never take the elementary out of me. People who come and see my office, my entire wall is a big whiteboard <laughs> and it's all color coded based on, okay, this is theater. This is music. This is that. I keep everything organized um, that way. But Again, the fortunate thing is once I have a season booked out there at Allenberry, I don't have to worry too no, much about it. that. It's set. The shows aren't going to change. 
so I can kind of focus on, you know, the day to day. Because West Shore, that's that's what I spend probably 85 to 90 percent of my time on. Fortunately, we built Keystone Theatrics up to enough where that has a lot of people involved that can kind of run the day to day without me having to be there as much so that I can focus on West Shore and building that up. So the question that I have is, uh, and it just left my mind, um, you do all of these, all of these, all of these things. You're a great organizer, clearly. Uh, what is one thing that you want to bring to New Cumberland? You, you're trying to uh, expand this culture. What, what are some of the things that you would really like to see happen with these uh, different projects of yours? Yeah, and I, I think that's honestly what, what attracted me to the West Shore Theater was that opportunity that we were kind of a clean slate. We got to create what our identity was. We got to re-educate the audience on what it was and what a kind of performing arts space can be. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I think a lot of people talk the talk and they say the good things and they put out mission and vision statements that sound really good on paper, but then they don't necessarily, All you know, through. back that up. So I, I know from day one, I told the board when we adopted that, I was like, we're going to do this. <laughs> it's not just something that's thrown on a website. And to me, that's, there's so much going on and the, the community and not just New Cumberland, but around, it has changed so much. People are like, oh, it's changing. No, 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 it changed. It's very different. And to have a theater that can, you know, really represent everyone in the community and have programs where whenever you walk through the door, you feel very welcome, you know, very comfortable, I think has just been really cool. So, you know, we've taken some chances. We had an, an opera in there. Um, we've done all sorts of things. I, I'd say, you name it, we've probably done it. And my first year, I tried to say yes to just about as much as like, oh, that's something we want to do. Great. Let's try it and, you know, see what happens. Work with community organizations, you know, work with people with established followings and bases to get them in too. So, I think some cool things are happening. People are starting to discover it. Whenever I introduce a show, I always, the first thing I ask is, how many of you is this your first time here at the West Shore Theater? And it's very regularly a good amount of people, which is great because we're getting a lot of new people in. We're getting them through the doors and it's different people. There's people who love movies, so they'll come out for movies. There's people who love music. And one of the cool things I think that we have going for us is, and this is not a knock at venues, but I, there's not a lot of just seated music venues anymore. There's a lot mm -hmm. of places where when you go to hear the music, they're not background music, but they're not necessarily the focus because the focus is selling you know, food and <clears throat> beverages and things like that, which is financially a model that makes sense. But what we've really responded to and musicians have been very complimentary of was that they love performing in the space because it is a seated space. Like, sure, we have concessions and bar and whatnot, but when the show starts, they're sitting there and they're watching the show. They're, they're really listening and they're engaged in a way that they don't necessarily get. So I've had, I've been really lucky where a lot of musicians are now coming to me and saying, Hey, such and such played there. So this was a great room with great acoustics. That's so important too. That's and important. you know that we really, we put a lot of time and energy and money in the renovations into acoustics, <laughs> which is not easy because the acoustics you want for movies it's versus the acoustics different. you want for live performance, totally different. So we had to find that balance, and we put in two totally different different sound systems. So there's one system just for cinema, and then we have a performance system too, so that we weren't trying to get one system that did both okay. That's great. So yeah, and really, and and I'm so appreciative when musicians or performers come in there and they recognize, you know, the the effort that's gone into making it an enjoyable room because it's beautiful, but it doesn't matter if it looks good if it doesn't sound good. You're gonna come once and say. No, I couldn't hear, you know, 
the vocals over everything or it's just too loud too or crazy too high end yeah. yep but fortunately we have not had that and people have been really happy and you know you plot it all out on paper your technical folks do these really cool colorful maps that you know tell you what your room's going to sound like and you hope they're right and we've been you know even more pleased with how it's turned out especially for live performances we knew it would be good for movies but the live performances have just been just been great so my question is you're doing all of this it seems very hectic, very, very time-consuming, very... Uh, how do you not get burned out? That, and the board checks on me all the time because they know. And, you know, when you're starting something new like this, I'm one person. I'm the only full-time employee as managing director. So you name it, and I'm doing it. But um, we, we do have a great, you know, part-time staff that comes and helps with some of the shows. I think it's because I truly... And I know it sounds cliche, but I love what I do, and I'm passionate mm. about it. And... Up until these, the West Shore Theater, I'd always done it kind of part-time. You know, I'm over lunch at school, I'm checking emails or trying to respond or making a phone call. And then after school, I'm doing this. And now I have all day to devote to doing this and to do what I love. And it's certainly, it's still overwhelming and stressful. Anyone who says it isn't, they'd be lying to you. But right. it's, and, and for me, it's that freshness. I'm never doing the same thing every day. You know, I'm bouncing from movies. I'm bouncing to a concert. And now I've got comedy in here and you know we're resetting this and we're doing this and to me it's that that variety that really keeps it interesting the people that I get to meet and that I get to work with um, I mean that's everybody's inspiring I, I love hearing you know those stories I love working with a variety of people being inspired by them like I I have such a cool job I get to stand there and be entertained and inspired by these amazing people coming in you know and that i think anytime you're feeling burnout you just you see something like that or you meet people like that or you get to work with someone and give them an opportunity to do something that they maybe wouldn't get a chance to do in a different venue and that's what keeps me going and you know sleep every now and then <laughs> every now and then <laughs> i still in school mode, i pack people you know I, they see me walking in with my backpack and my lunchbox i got my lunch and my dinner packed you know in my little fridge you just you just go and you i, I love what i do i hold all of us to a very high standard. I know what I want it to be and I'll do whatever I have to do on my end to make it that way. So then another one of my questions is what is one thing that you have yet to do, but if you really want to get to within your lifetime? Oh, that is, that is a great question. Um, and it's so funny because I, you know, when people ask you, what's your five-year plan or this, that nobody's five-year plan that they say has ever actually, <laughs> I don't want to say ever, but for the most for part, the most part yeah. is not what you expect. It just, you know, life has a way of doing that. So I don't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I think honestly, once this is all said and done, I love ice cream. Ice cream <laughs> is my vice in life. Anyone who knows me will know that. So what I want to do is not all related. When I'm done with all this, I just want to own an ice cream shop. A little ice cream shop somewhere, scoop ice cream and make people happy. That's, very That's what I want to do. <laughs> and it will happen. It will happen. So are you still teaching or are you? I am not. No. Okay. When the West Shore Theater came up, um, that is now my full-time job. Um, so, And I, I love that. Now, education never leaves me, though. The, the organization right. of it, the passion of it, the contacts, you know, all of those kinds of things. And a lot of the people I employ part-time come from the theater or education world because I know, you know, you're you're really busy working, but sometimes you want to pick up a few extra hours. So you need someone flexible who understands that. You want to do one night a week? Great. You have two nights a week? Great. You know, a little way to help income while doing something fun too. So then uh, my next question is, what is, uh, just forgot it again. Um, all right. So 
Well, oh, here it is. Why? What you've you've worked with youth, you've worked with adults. What are some of the differences that you've noticed trying to teach or manage uh, either one? There's, I think, there's more parallels, believe it or not, than there are differences. Obviously, the approach is a little different depending on the ages you're worked with, but it all comes down to the climate and the culture that you create. Mm. And I think if you are creating, you know, that climate that performers are coming into, and they know that their time is being used efficiently, that they're being respected. I said, community theater performers, like, bless them because you're not getting paid most of the time. You're actually paying because <laughs> you're driving, you know, you're paying for gas, I'm... you're going out after show, you know, all of those kinds of things. So it's a huge, huge commitment. And um, if you want to show, if you're making that commitment, we want to make sure we're using your time efficiently you're having fun while still putting on, you know, a show of the caliber that you want it to. And I think that's really what it comes down to is at the end, was this worth your time commitment? Mm. Did you gain something out of it? And everybody does theater for different reasons. Um, and I think honoring that, but knowing at the end that the product is great, but I think that the days of the ends justify the means are over or should be over because if it's a miserable experience for a great show, you know, that's what was done. Right. Exactly. So that's something I know that, I try to work with people who understand that and know that when you hear Keystone Theatrics or when you hear West Shore Theater and you're getting involved with it, you know you're getting involved with good people that's going to be worth your time, a good experience, and that you're going to be valued, appreciated, and respected from the moment you walk through that door to the moment you leave. Right. We're going to go into a time of, of questions that I like to ask all of, my all of my guests. So if you in the audience have a question for Dustin, please be sure to leave it in the comments and we'll definitely get around to it. So the first question I have, um, you probably have a bunch of these, but what is one of the funniest or worst things that ever happened on stage uh, during a show? What, what have you? <laughs> so <laughs> there's there's many of them, but I'll jump with <clears throat> the first one that comes to mind. And it was at Carlisle. And back behind Carlisle is the Gingerbread Man, which is a bar. Um, <laughs> and we were doing Willy Wonka Jr. So it's a bunch yeah. of kids. Yeah. And, you know, when when kids are walking there, there's not a true backstage crossover. So we would use, you know, to get from the dressing rooms, you walk around outside around the building. So of course we had adults who would make sure they were supervised at any time. So mm -hmm. about 16 to 18 Oompa Loompas, fully painted kids as Oompa Loompas. They were walking, you know, around the corner. It was evening performance and they walk around and someone had probably had maybe a few too many uh, adult beverages at the gingerbread man <sighs> turns the corner kind of stumbling and sees in full makeup, 16 <laughs> to 18 Oompa Loompas. And like, I can't recreate it, but he did one of those, like where you kind of jump back, start and was like, Oh, like, am I, am I seeing things? <laughs> am I hallucinating? <laughs> and just kind of was like, mumble something under his breath like i need to stop drinking and wandered away and like <laughs> our adults who were with them just thought it was the funniest thing so we still when we think about that or recreate it that's always been an absolutely hysterical um offstage story on stage i remember being on headset one time we were doing guys and dolls um and the stage manager's like i don't want you to panic but and anytime your stage manager starts with i don't want you to panic you're panicking you know you're about to panic <laughs> and uh, she's like um the newsstand it's elevated way up in the air. It's not supposed to. We didn't have any fly rig. Um, apparently, there's a bar that one of the uh, backdrops was hung on that when it went up, caught through the newsstand and took it up with it. So I'm like, okay, not going to panic, but don't let anybody stand 
anywhere oh, near dear. or underneath that. It should be really secure, but not a chance we're going to take it. And as soon as we could close the curtain, we're like, close the curtain, get that thing down. So just That's lots of so those little... Funny. And there's a million of those stories, and I love sitting around with theater people telling those stories. But those are the two that come to mind first thing. It's 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 so funny because I have one of my own, and I love to tell it all the time. Uh, here at LBC, we got the chance to do Sight and Sounds Roof, uh, one of the first the first time uh, a, a Sight and Sound performance is done off stage of Sight and Sound. And there's a, a scene where there's a boat scene, and we have a little motorized boat, and it goes around the stage as they're talking or whatever and it just so happened that this boat caught uh the curtain rope and if <laughs> if it had not been uh, uh it would have taken the curtain yeah oh absolutely <laughs> so here i was i noticed it and I, i'm trying to fight for my life <laughs> against this motorized boat pulling it and um uh you know the guy on the boat's like what's going yeah. on here <laughs> Try, trying to make it go and i'm like no stop but thankfully uh the person uh thank god to Brianna now Wilhelm, uh, who was like the narrator mm -hmm. and kind of out of the scene singing about whatever. She just as calmly as ever, as graceful as ever, because you kind of have to. Yep. Just calmly, whoop, and I fall back. Is the, the, the tension's released, and I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> and everything's everything's fixed and solved. But that was one of the most terrifying moments. Yes. Uh, for me, at least. Bless those performers though who are aware and see these things going on and can do something about them. Without breaking character. We've also seen performers who are like, oh, there's something on the stage there that shouldn't be there. Eh, I'll just, whatever. It's like, no, get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, get, yeah, right, exactly. Um, so up next, what is one of the best pieces of advice you have ever been given? Oh, and there's, everybody has, you know, mentors out there that I think give you great advice. But I think mine comes from, when I worked with Pennsylvania Youth Music and Theatrics, the very first group where, again, I don't know a whole lot. I'm learning along the way. We had an amazing, amazing treasurer. His name was Rick Vensel, um, passed way too soon. Um, but his words always stick with me because he's like, Dustin, everybody overcomplicates this. He's like, you know what makes it successful? Butts in seats. Butts in seats. You want to do things that get people to want to come. That's right. And there's lots of ways to do that. But ultimately, it's knowing your audience, knowing your audience base and what they're going to come and see. So when I'm questioning, like, oh, should I book this? Should I do this? How does this look? Sometimes I just reduce myself to those words. I'm like, what's going to get people there? What do people want to see? And in the, you know, in the entertainment world, so it's, it's kind of like throwing a dart at a dartboard. But I try to make as educated of a throw at that <laughs> dartboard as I can and um, know those things. But that's, you know, a piece that always sticks with me. So what are some things that as uh, as an executing uh, executive producing person that you are still working on that you still struggle with? I think it's just it's finding all of that balance and what the right balance and what the right mix is. And when I go into every day, I have a plan of what that day is going to look like for me and what the to do list is going to do. But also knowing that most likely that's going to blow up at some point or right. something's going to sneak in. It's going to take. So finding the time to balance, you know, for me, okay, I need to be working on booking acts, but I also have day to day to do. And, oh, I've got to go up and change the marquee too. And uh, I've got to go, you know, pick up concessions or an order for this or that. So that time management, I think is always a part when there's just so many things to do and kind of prioritizing, but you know, I've grown out of the stage where I'm like, oh, I didn't get everything done. This day was a failure. No, whatever you can get done and the rest can wait until the next day, you know, 
we're we're entertaining. We're we're doing you know really cool and really fun things, and we're gonna get there. Even if I don't get everything done on my list that day, it's not going to be the end of anybody's world. And uh, another uh, piece of advice that I would give is to define success for yourself. You don't have to, and uh, this goes into like comparison and stuff like that as well. But even if you like. Granted, every day is going to be a different day. You're not going to be 100% all the time. Absolutely. Just working on getting something done and even, you know, getting out of bed, getting, you know, getting dressed, that's like success. Getting to your workplace, just doing that is a lot more than not. Absolutely. So that changes every day. What success looks like one day may be different another day. And just giving yourself grace, you know, we're all doing the best we can in this crazy spinning ball. And (laughs) <laughs> right. That's what counts. <laughs> and people are going to be understanding. And uh, granted, if you have deadlines, respect those deadlines. But still, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all mess up anyway. Don't take it too seriously. Absolutely. And it just it, and I think how you handle stress as well. You know, I I tend to just take what comes with me. I think problem solving has been one of my strengths. Moving Seems on, it's like, like it, yeah. I don't spend a lot of time being upset about things. I'd rather channel that into okay, this is an issue. And I see that you're angry and upset about it, but that doesn't help me mm-hmm. solve it. I'm going to channel that energy and focus into moving things forward or solving that problem or solving that issue. And usually you can do that a lot more quickly and, you know, feel feelings, however you need to feel them, whatever people need to do to process that's different too. But for me, it's like, great, I'm going to take my one moment here. Okay. I'm over that. Let's start solving the problem and moving on. Yeah. Right. Cause the best way to solve things is not to linger on them. It's to proactively say, okay, this is a problem. What are we going to do about it? And then do something about yeah. it. And there's, there's a lot of things that are just out of your control. So there I are. try not to dwell on those and say, okay, well, here are the things that are in my control that I can make a difference in or invest my time and energy into. That's what I'm going to do. And I'll just take the rest as it goes. And it's a really bad day. I'm shutting off my phone, taking out the kayak and just forgetting it all for a couple hours. So. <laughs> and, and that's another great piece of advice. Make sure you take care of yourself first, because if you aren't taking care of, you can't take care of anything else you do. Absolutely. And I, and I say that probably too many times, but if you don't take care of yourself, no one else will, no one you know, will. you gotta, you gotta do that. You gotta know the things when you're super stressed and overwhelmed. What can you do to walk away from that? For me, like walking for me, I love walking, cooking. I love, love cooking. Like those are, peaceful things for me being outdoors. So it's, and it's finding that life balance and that life balance is different for everybody too. And I think that was hard for me early on, like feeling judged about the choices that I make for my life balance. But some of us like work is not just work. It is when you're in the entertainment industry, it's not a 40 hour week job. It's a, however many hours I need to get get this done. And that comes with some personal sacrifice and some choices, but I've, you know, done what I need to do for my life and my life balance to live a satisfying and fulfilling life for me. So I would say that for people too. And I know that's, that's difficult, but once you can come to that comfortable place, it's great. Yeah. And another thing, don't be afraid to take days off. Absolutely. And I'm, I will say I am sometimes guilty of that. A day off for me is rare, but part of a day, you know, but yes, take time for you and to do the things that you love. Absolutely. And because, you know, there's always the next opportunity. There's also, there's, you have so much more life to live than just in the moment now. Absolutely. Right. There's always going to be, it's, it's going to be okay. Chill out. It's going to be fine. Yeah, if you take one thing from today, know that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so a few last questions that I've got for you. Uh, how was the COVID situation for you when uh, everything shut down? What was that like? I'm sure that must have been a nightmare to manage. It, You know, and I, I think about this in many different ways because 
for me, I will always look back at that time on my life professionally as the greatest challenge mm. and personally as a really introspective and reflective and positive time. Um, so professionally, obviously, when you do theater and whatnot, it's so much of your life that when all of a sudden that's completely shut down and taken from you, I'm like, what do I do with all of these hours in the day that I'm usually, you know, devoted and committing to this. So for me, I turned to myself, okay, I'm going to focus on, you know, my health, physical, mental, emotional, et cetera. Um, you know, walk a lot, get in better shape, finally buy that kayak, do those kinds of things. And I, you know, those are things I've carried with me since then. It's like, okay, you didn't do all these things. Now we didn't go through all of these terrible times to not learn and do something mm. from it and hopefully have some kind of changes. So I think it's, you know, keeping that perspective on we put so much time and energy into this that you got to make sure you're balancing that with time for yourself and what's important and those things as well. But it also just gave me a new appreciation for the, how fortunate we are to be able to do the things that we do and to be able to provide entertainment and educational opportunities and things that inspire people and help them escape from, you know, the world for a few hours or whatever's going on, positive, negative, you know, et cetera. And, you know, we're, I think we're, we're finally crawling out of that to an extent. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be a part of things and it's going to shape, you know, decision-making and planning moving through the future. But professionally, very difficult to basically be sitting there twiddling your thumbs and say, there's really nothing I can do. Obviously it opened up a lot of virtual mediums, which is great. And I think people got really creative in finding ways to still share their art and do things that have, you know, change the landscape a little bit. Um, but then, you know, personally, it was a great time for me to kind of take the time for myself that maybe I never gave myself before. So I hope that people got that out of the whole experience to say, what are some things that you did for you because you had the time to, because so many other things were taken away, if that all makes sense. So I got three more questions for mm -hmm. you and then we'll round out this time. Uh, what is one show that you have yet to put on that you want to put on? Jersey Boys, 100%. Really? Uh, I love Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. I taught myself to sing in falsetto by listening to Frankie Valley. My mother um, from New York grew up in Brighton Beach, went to see them a million times. We've gone to see him in concert several times. So as soon as it's available at my theater level, not only will we be doing it, but it will be the only time I ever precast myself in a show because I will play and sing Frankie Valley. I would quit my job. I won't really do this. West Shore people listening, but to tour the country and just play Frankie Valley in Jersey Boys, I love it that much. Wow, <laughs> no hesitation. That's the answer. I right, so I already have the number one uh, slot for my next answer. What are your top three favorite shows? <laughs> yeah, and honestly, that it changes for me based on you know your mood, your whatnot. But I do, I do love Jersey Boys. I think it's just. You know, for, for better or for worse, it started a new trend in Broadway of that kind of show. Some very good and some not. Oh, but yep. but I just, for me, those biopic shows are successful if you have a connection to the artist or to the story. I had a connection to that one, so that one really spoke to me. Again, they change, but one that's always up there for me is Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Really? I just, I think it's such a great and fun introduction to theater for people of all ages. It's very, it's light, the whole different genres of music styles. It's just, you know, is it award-winning, you know, script and plot? No, but it's just, it's just fun. It's one of my first theater experiences where I just watched and it was like, yeah, that's really fun. That's something that 
I would want to do. It's like your first ever Rogers and Hammerstein. Yeah, absolutely. All those things that stick with you. And I don't know. Third, there's so many, so many good ones to choose from. Um, I don't know. I really like Monty Python spam a lot too. I I, I remember, (laughs) I remember seeing that on Broadway and just thinking this is the funniest thing ever. I've been, I've directed it once I've been in it once. So just that, that variety there, I think, shows you my eclectic tastes in <laughs> music and shows. And if you ask me tomorrow, that list would probably change, too, because, you know, there's there's just so many things out there. I like to see everything. If I'm not working, if I have a day off, most likely you're going to find me in New York, you know, oh, well. seeing shows, because that's just what I love to do. And be inspired by that. Going back to the burnout, I think if you're burnt out by something and you can go and see, you know, what you love in your craft at the highest level without being involved exactly just sitting there be like okay yep this feeling that i'm feeling right now this is why we do what we do because we want to make other people have that feeling and experience it there's just nothing like it so uh last question where can people find you at what what's coming up for west shore in the playhouse absolutely so yep like i said next week we're getting ready to release our uh next season at the allenberry playhouse and it's gonna be a really good one it's a nice mix of we got an area premiere coming we've got a mix of contemporary uh and classics some comedy some you know more i'd say mostly in the comedic vein we don't get real real deep into things there there's a lot of theaters doing some really great and meaty drama and we let them kind of do their things and put on the you know shows and musicals but i'm very excited about that i wish i could tease it out a little bit more but they'll just have to you know check that out next week um and then at west shore we've got run of the super mario brothers movie going on now the end of the month we've got that really great weekend of music and then in may we have our one year anniversary coming up Mm. um so we've got a lot of really cool things planned um we've got some a great mix of music you know coming in there too we've got some uh, national improv comedians coming down so just some really cool things uptown band will be there um our local new cumberland band martini brothers are coming in the big fat meanies from uh, this oh, area. Yes. They're playing for us on Cinco de Mayo. We're calling it Cinco de Meanies. It's going to be <laughs> a lot of fun. Rascal Revival is going to be cycling oh, in. Dear. So we've got, yeah, we've got some really cool things. And I think that's the neat thing about West Shore theaters. You never really know. Like if you come and look, you're going to see something different all the time. So we that's want great. people to kind of keep up on that and checking out what we're doing. Cause there's some really cool things. Yeah. No, those, uh, even some of the Sir Dominic Jordan, great friends of the show, mm-hmm. big fat meanies, RJ Conrad with Rascal Revival. Absolutely. That's, that's a great lineup. I, I might even head over. To Absolutely. Those. Please do come visit anytime. My name is Corey Rosen. This is the story podcast. Uh, well, what, West shore theater.org. Yep. West shore theater.org and Keystone theatrics. And then what else for the Playhouse? Is there a website for that? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you go to Allen Bears, you're going to find it, but it's just basically KeystoneTheatrics.com okay. is where you can find our information. Well, you can find me and uh, my podcast at CoryRosenProductions.com. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N Productions.com. We're doing some really cool things upcoming. We have, we're starting our Songwriter Studio, and that is a, a show where we're getting three to four artists from around the area into this studio, and we're going to create a song underneath an hour and that's awesome yeah and it's going to be ready the goal is to have it ready to go to a studio somewhere and record it and get it out and that's something i'm really excited for because like you said it's all about community and working together and there's some great talent in this area and i just want to see what yeah. we can come the up creative with. process like this that's gonna be fascinating yes and also we're, we're continuing our single reviews and our album reviews uh where we select single three singles or an album and we go over it we give you some constructive criticism we have another artist from the area come in and sit in with me as we go through it and give our give our thoughts on it and it's just a great way to get some exposure and to get some a little bit of feedback and we have our first ever 
show coming up April 23rd. That is over at Switchboard Studios. We're having our, a, a little award show where, where we're doing, you know, most viral uh, fan favorite episodes, stuff, oh, that's awesome. small stuff like that, just to give a little bit more recognition to the area. And because, you know, accolades and awards verify or establish an artist more. And we want to, there is some great talent here that needs to be recognized. And I know the CPMAs have their own thing, but I just think, why not have more? Anything that promotes and brings awareness to the amazing performers and artists in this area, I think is a wonderful thing. Yeah. And we're going to have that. That's over at uh, Switchboard Studios, which is right above Columbia Kettleworks in Columbia. That, that'll be, that time has changed from four to eight o'clock. Uh, and there'll, there'll be nice food, uh, drinks, obviously bring your cash and, uh, there'll be a one hour jam session afterwards. So you can get the jam out with all your favorite artists. And up next, we have a lot of people coming up this tomorrow. We have Colt Wilbur of the Colt Wilbur, uh, country band. He's a country artist in the area and I get to learn more about him and his music. This Monday, we're having Amber Nadine. She's an acoustic act, and she's coming in, and we're going to talk to her about her projects and everything she's got going on. This Tuesday, we got a, a choreographer, Cody Ross, coming in, and he's he's an incredible person who uh, does work here at the college and does work over at many of the high schools areas. So we're going to learn about what it's like to teach students how to dance mm-hmm. because that there's a whole philosophy. Oh, that'll be in fascinating. That. Yep. And then this. Saturday, this next Saturday, we have Home is Where the Art Is, where they are trying to do a collective where they're bringing songwriters in and we're doing song circles and creating a nice little venue for the local artists to gather and share the music. And uh, they're just starting up, so we get to see what the startup process is like and all the big plans that they have. And with all that said, I got guys, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and we will see you later. Bye.